Welcome to the HR Works Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media and HR Daily Advisor. Before we jump into today's episode featuring Amy Mosher, Chief People Officer for ISOL, we'll share a quick message from the sponsor of today's episode, One Medical. Keeping employees healthy and happy is a big challenge for businesses, especially now. Fortunately, One Medical makes it a whole lot easier with a modern primary care benefit employees use and love at over 8,000 companies. Blending top providers, a great in-office experience, and 24-7 virtual care with their app, One Medical takes the pain out of primary care for you and your team. Visit onemedical.com slash hrworks to learn more today and get an individual 30-day free trial. Terms and conditions apply. And now, on to our episode. Today, we're joined by Amy Mosher, Chief People Officer at iSolved, an HR technology firm providing people-first human capital management solutions for tasks such as payroll, benefits, compliance, and reporting. Amy brings over 20 years of global human resources experience and has contributed to the success of multiple public and private companies across various industries, including software, biotechnology, and hardware. Listen as Amy and I talk about the growing trend of stay interviews that are emerging as a solution to better understanding the employee experience and helping organizations combat the challenge of employee retention. Let's check out the episode. Amy, welcome to the HR Works podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Happy to have you on. So Amy, as I had mentioned, we're hoping to have a conversation today about employee retention and really advice you can give to fellow HR leaders as they're looking to incentivize and retain talent. But before we jump into that conversation, can you just give our listeners a bit of your background and tell us how you got your start in human resources and what led you to your current role as Chief People Officer at iSolve? Sure. Um, Like many HR professionals, uh, I didn't go to school thinking that I would be a chief people officer or even an HR manager or generalist, but I fell into it, Um, was working retail while I was going to school and found that I was, uh, had an aptitude for people. And so started the hiring and firing process within retail and then quickly moved into a recruiting role during the dot-com. Um, which was very big at that time, obviously, and uh, and worked my way up into a generalist uh, and HR manager role and eventually an HR business partner role with a variety of different types of companies, initially in biotech uh, and then moved into software and SaaS software. I was fortunate enough to be with a company that was customer number one at Workday, which is a competitor of iSolved, uh, and did some work also with ADP, the Streamline product, when they were launching that also as a customer. And so technology and HCM and utilizing human capital management software to encourage growth and to grow faster as an organization um, has really just been a part of my career from the beginning. And I really believe in the ability for HR technology to take your HR team and your employee engagement function to the next step. I had worked with our CEO, Mark Duffel, who's the CEO here at iSolved, and our CMO, James Norwood, previously at another company um, and had a lot of success. Really enjoyed working with them. And so when they came on to iSolved, I was happy to, uh, to join them. And it's really been a crazy ride. Started right before the pandemic and, uh, and worked through that with the organization and actually grew the business about 40% over the last couple of years from a headcount perspective, which has been pretty incredible while maintaining a, a very low turnover rate. So a lot of culture work there, a lot of change management, and it's been a crazy wild ride. But this is that organization and that role that I'll look back on in my career and, and smile and say, wow, that was fun. That's great. And yeah, change management, I think, is the operative term there, especially coming in and starting right before the pandemic. And yeah. change management has been something we've all gone through and especially jumping in with a brand new company. Yeah. So congratulations, too, on growing so quickly. Thank you. All right. So employee retention is really something I'm hoping we can look at today. And I wanted to start with this concept of the stay interview. Can you explain to our listeners what a stay interview is and how best to execute one? 
Sure. Well, the exact purpose of a stay interview uh, really varies depending upon what the goals of the organization are. But the majority are just employee, employee engagement check-ins that help your managers to you know, understand why employees have stayed with the organization, what motivates them, and what could potentially cause them to leave the business. Something that I like to do when I'm working with stay interviews within an organization, which we actually employ them here at iSolve, is to rebrand them, um, not as a stay interview necessarily, but as an engagement discussion, engagement interview, often a follow-up to an engagement survey process that you might have within your organization. That's great. What I've learned in having conversations with HR leaders like yourself is that communication with your employees is so vital and getting that feedback can often lead to these larger conversations and really making decisions and changes in the organization that ultimately will just create a better corporate culture, which is really the goal of so many of us. So how would you get a stay interview started? How do you implement that program or that process into your workforce? Well, the first thing that I recommend that any organization do is understand what they hope to achieve by having these conversations with their employees. Um, Is it a better understanding of, you know, a specific line of benefits or what we're lacking from a cultural perspective or how well we're doing against change management? Whatever it is that they're trying to achieve in having these conversations should be clear at the onset so that you're asking the right questions. The other piece is to make sure that you've got buy-in from your leadership on alignment, but also the time that it takes to have these types of conversations. Often there's follow-up afterwards and your leaders and employees will be engaged in discussions, um, I'm sure over a period of time and not just once. So it does take some time away from their quote day jobs, but it's incredibly important. And it can be an incredibly efficient process as well. And then making sure that you're committed as a company. So following up, do something, take an action based on what you may have learned as a result of having these conversations. Because if you don't, was there really even a reason to have them? So action is really important on the back end. That's great. Do you have any recommendations for HR leaders where they can find those bottlenecks and maybe how to do something with the information you have? Because I think you're totally right. If ultimately you take in all this information and feedback, but do nothing with it, what was the point? So how do you solve that challenge? Well, within our organization, we have engagement surveys. So we have an understanding of where the opportunities might lie from an organizational perspective before we engage in a new engagement interview process with our employee base. And we pick certain areas where we feel like we can get the most intel and it will be most helpful to us in changing our total rewards package or tweaking our engagement activities or changing the way we recognize our employees or the tools that we have in that toolkit. And uh, and get, that gives us some direction and some immediate alignment. And I think it makes for a more effective action plan on the back end. And oftentimes we're also talking to the employees as a part of these engagement interviews about what we're already doing as an organization. So we're having conversations about action that we're already taking because often you can also use the conversation as a bit of a marketing tool internally to let employees know what's already happening and what's already going on. And that can be really powerful. Absolutely. I think that's always so interesting as an employee myself. Sometimes you're not aware of all of the benefits and opportunities that do exist within your organization. So that communication is so key and calls for a great back and forth. And you can learn so much about maybe what isn't being surfaced and what hasn't been showcased. That's great feedback. So if you had to pick one thing that most employers are missing when it comes to employer retention and keeping top talent, what would that be? 
I really feel like from a leadership perspective, a focus on the employee experience at the leadership level, at the executive level is incredibly important. Prioritizing that, even using those words, employee experience is really important from an alignment perspective. You know, we're in a candidate driven market, like, you know, we haven't experienced at least in the last 20 years, and it can really make a big difference for your employees to hear your leaders prioritizing that experience and then making a connection to the new and different and interesting things that you're implementing throughout the year to encourage employee engagement. And that's, I think, the most important thing or the one thing that I would pick that often is missing is that alignment they still expect. Executives often still expect human resources to own that process when really leadership should own the process of retention and employee engagement across your business. And how have you seen that employee experience change in the last, and we're coming up on two years since the pandemic set in for a lot of us in the workforce. How have you seen that change? Across my business, it certainly changed dramatically. Um, I think having a team of individuals that only focus on engagement within the HR team. So they have alignment to the tools and the total rewards that we have available to us in HR as well. It has been an incredible change that we've had within ISOLVED and really uh, has resonated very positively with our employees. But other HR teams, you know, what they can do to ensure that they're focusing on engagement and that they have the right things in place, I think are uh, it's paramount to make sure that HR and leadership have an aligned roadmap toward the goals from an employee experience perspective for the organization. And that's certainly what we have here now. And it's paid in dividends. We have a higher retention, lower turnover at ISOLD over the last two years than we had in the two years prior to that, even though we've grown the business significantly. And having a focus on engagement has also allowed us to grow faster. Word of mouth is huge for us. Employer referrals are up 150% from what they were in the two years prior. When you have that engagement, it fuels a better employee experience. So your employees are actually then deputized, if you will, to improve their own experience and improve the experience for the individuals around them. And that ownership, I think, is what we've achieved here at iSolves, which is really rewarding. Sure. Oftentimes, word of mouth can be your best kind of marketing. Sometimes you're cheapest, but you make a big investment in creating that culture where your employees are advocates for the company and the great culture that's there. So you're really building it and investing within your corporate culture. It's very smart. You mentioned one thing with roadmaps, which I want to get onto next. So having that roadmap for setting goals within your organization, whether it is the employee engagement goals or salary is often one that is looked at and will always be a factor, I believe, at least in employee retention is competitive salary, right? I mean, call it what it is. So why is it imperative for HR leaders to have a roadmap for minimum wage and salary band increases? First of all, it helps your business to plan for investment in the employee experience via compensation and the total rewards. Um, I think that's really important to engage and get buy-in at the executive level on how much you're going to invest in your employee experience. Compensation, as you noted, and as we found in a recent survey that we did of nearly a thousand full-time employees, that salary is still the number one indicator for why a person accepts a job, and that's followed by location, and that includes the ability to work remote or a hybrid environment. And so it makes sense for you to plan in advance how you, as an organization, will invest in compensation. But it also helps for employees to understand where they are today and where they can go from a compensation and career development perspective. And that transparency can lead to greater trust, alignment, and understanding of what they need to do to achieve where they want to go and who they want to be from a career perspective. And I think that's really important. You know, 
there's been a recent trend around compensation. We obviously have this raise in the minimum wage. We've done some voluntary work within iSolved to increase those individuals that are at the lower end of the wage scale. And a lot of that has to do with ensuring that we can compete for top talent, even at that level. But it's also really important to the employees to understand where they can go and where they are today and the fairness in the work that goes into analyzing and addressing you know, market changes and compensation. Once employees understand that we review that all the time or that we're looking at opportunities to ensure that we're aligned and that we're competitive as an employer for their role, it can go a long way in building trust and helping employees understand that we prioritize them and where they are in their journey. Wow, that's a great way to look at it. And I think, again, that is totally right on in thinking that pay transparency allows employees to really roadmap their own career and understand, okay, here's where my growth potential is in my current role or with the current company and see that there may be more opportunity than maybe they were previously aware of prior to having that transparent culture. I think that's that's a great, great way to look at it. But as you mentioned, while wage and pay is still the top priority and top motivator, there are other benefits that we're seeing make a difference, namely being soft benefits and just what's being offered to employees. What are some soft benefits that you've seen really come to rise and become more valued over the last two years in this sudden shift to the remote era? You know, employees are looking for increased support when it comes to mental health, flexible working hours a guarantee or a commitment to a remote or hybrid work environment. I think flexibility has become key. When we did this survey last year, this ISOLV survey, we found that 48% of the folks that answered the survey were looking for paid mental health days, and 46% were looking for a more flexible work environment, and 45% wanted a four-day work week. So we know how important it is um, to folks out there to have that flexibility, but also to um, really think about mental health, which is something prior to the pandemic was not as prevalent as it is today. You can absolutely see that mental health is just part of the conversation now more than it has been before. We were all aware of it, but action being taken wasn't really there until going through so much change and understanding that it really matters to employees and ultimately matters to their company experience and really makes a difference. That's some great insight there, Amy. So are there any benefits that have become irrelevant since, uh, let's say, since the pandemic? (laughs) I'm not sure you could ever discount any benefit as being irrelevant because benefits are valued in the eye of the beholder (laughs) and different things motivate different people. I really feel like the benefits that we've seen maybe take a back seat are those that encouraged us to maybe get out of the office or um, gym membership, for example. Now it's all about wellness instead of going to the gym every day or having some type of gym subsidy. That's one that comes to mind from a more irrelevant uh, than it used to be. But, you know, in general, you're starting to see a lot of emphasis on wellness and a redefinition of what wellness is. Great. That's all great information there. So what is one thing you've learned since the pandemic that you think has made you a better leader that maybe you weren't aware of prior to? You know, for me, I did not have an opportunity to meet any of the employees on my team or even the executives that I had not had the opportunity to work with before in person for 18 months after I started. So if you can imagine how incredible it was for me to develop relationships remotely, I would have never thought it was possible to have this level of meaningful interaction to create trust dynamics and improve really, I think, communication 
organization over the course of that time and flex different kind of leadership muscles. You know, I've always worked with remote employees or been remote myself. So I have kind of those skill sets, but really putting those into motion and helping other leaders to develop those who maybe hadn't been in that situation before was really rewarding for me. And I think it's really made me better at my job, but also my team so much more dynamic. You know, prior to everyone being sent home and, and being forced to work in a remote environment for so long, we often would have used the leadership excuse that we just don't have enough face time with our employees um, or the value of the work that's actually getting done, I think would have been weighed against the amount of time that employees may be put in at the office. And when you take that dynamic away, it was interesting to see what additional metrics you found as a leader that you were using that maybe you didn't before in a remote environment. And I think that was also really rewarding. And it was a great way for me to, to learn those things and those dynamics over the course of the last two years. It's really interesting. And yeah, the value in FaceTime prior to, to moving to a remote era, it's so interesting. That's still important. Yeah. It's just a different type of FaceTime. It's yeah. often between screens, but has almost become more valued as it needs to be more intentional than it was ever in the past. I agree. And that really calls back to the idea of the stay interview and really getting that feedback and having that back and forth, knowing where employees are in their day-to-day -day or in their work cycle and not necessarily just checking in at the maybe quarter marks to ensure performance management, which might have worked in the past. Absolutely. Great. Well, Amy, in addition to just what you've learned since the pandemic, is there any professional advice that you've received over the course of your career that you think has really helped you and that you'd be willing to pass along to our HR community? Absolutely. I think the biggest piece of kind of universal advice that's really stuck with me over time is I had a leader once tell me this, and I tell folks that I mentor this now as well. And that's if you want to grow in your career, if you want to build your career, if you want to be a leader and maybe you're not today, or you want to be a better leader than you are today or advance yourself, uh, the best way to do that is just to do a little extra on every task. Just double check spelling in that email. Uh, make sure that you're color coding things appropriately or you're taking it a step further from a, a customer support perspective. You're calling those candidates directly, even if they didn't make the cut. You know, anything that you can do just a little bit better, just one step farther can get you so much farther as a professional. And you start to develop that mindset that you can do more, that you're capable of so much more by employing that. I love that. Do a little extra with every task. It's a great lesson that can help anyone at any level in their career with advancing, moving forward, and just being the best that they can be. So Amy, before we close out today, can you share with our listeners, when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor, what's the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? It's my team members. 100% I am devoted to their their experience with iSolve and their experience with me and with each other. Um, I think they're incredible people as individuals and they do incredible work as a result. And I love to interact with my team and that's definitely what gets me up in the morning. It's also the ability to impact people's lives by providing uh, an incredible employee experience for our employees that I solve. Like that's the personal interaction, the personal connection to helping other people is really, really important to me. And so that's what gets me up in the morning. And that's what keeps me motivated in human resources and my role. That's great. The personal connection. I love that. So Amy Mosher, Chief People Officer at iSolved, thank you for joining the HR Works podcast. Thanks for sharing just so much great information about employee retention as we navigate this modern workforce. And hopefully we have you back again. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms. 
including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.